Now, we've been studying through the, you know, Abraham's life, and we're going to tie that into Abraham. And as I mentioned last week, I actually thought last week was Father's Day, so this was like last week's sermon. So we're going to go back one chapter in chapter 17. Now, I'm going to, I don't know if taking liberty with these verses is the right word. I'm going to tie the comparison with Abraham into, into us today. So let's look at those real quickly this morning. Genesis 17, 1 says, When Abraham, or Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. Now, first off, I'm not 99. But if God said to me, at 62, you're going to be a dad. Uh, might make me a little nervous. You remember Abraham tried to help God out a few years ago and, and tried to do it on his own. But God wanted Abraham to be not physically ready to have kids. In other words, physically impossible for him to have kids. So it would be a miracle, not just a natural process. So we're going to look at the, the not ready part. When, when folks, dads and moms, get the news they're going to be a parent, usually I would venture to say that you're not ready for that. Now, you may think you're ready for that. But as time goes on, you really, you're not. You may have a baby shower, you may have a, a stocked up on diapers and, and clothes and stuff, but emotionally and mentally, are you really ready for that parenting? There's a joke that says, you know, being a parent doesn't come with an owner's manual. I, well, actually, it, it does come with an owner's manual, but it doesn't tell you everything about when they get up at night and cry and do all that kind of good stuff. So I wasn't ready for it, and I'm sure neither of any of you were as well. So God tells Abraham he's going to be a dad. And at the time, Abraham had probably not thought about that for a while. Now, Genesis 17, 1 goes on. It says, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Now, we talked about the covenant recently. And I want to focus on the fact that the covenant, which is a blessing to Abraham, is also indicative of children being a blessing to parents. How many understand that children are a blessing? Every pregnancy, every birth is a direct result and blessing and gift from God. Whether you feel that you're not ready, whether you think that was an accident, unplanned, or the result of a lot of planning, every baby is directly from God. And that's one reason we are so anti-abortion. Because every, every baby is a direct gift from God. God is the author of life. Verse 3 says, Abraham fell face down. Now, when I first heard I was going to be a dad, I, got, I had to sit down. Like, I wasn't ready. When you first heard you were going to be a parent, what was your reaction? Did your knees buckle a little bit? Get kind of woozy? Nervous? excited, ill-prepared. When Abraham found out he was going to be a dad, he fell on the ground. Now, we know it was because God was talking to him. But you wonder if this news didn't hit him unexpectedly as well. So it goes on. Abraham fell face down. God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Now, this doesn't usually occur to new dads. But as you get older and your kids grow up and they get married and they have their kids and if you're around long enough their kids have kids and so on and so forth 
you actually could be the father of many nations. Depending on how many kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids. There's a picture frame that I've seen occasionally that on the bottom of the captions is because two people fell in love. How many have seen those picture frames? And you're supposed to fill that frame with a picture of your extended family, of all the people that are now in your family because two people got together. And that's kind of what Abraham was experiencing. And I think that's what we have to understand as well. And it's not just our kids, but what we do with them extends from generation to generation. I was talking to someone this morning about, we were talking uh, on the negative side of that of how sins of the father are passed on to the children. And that occurs because children learn behavior. Dobson says more is caught than taught. In other words, they are going to be who you are, not what you tell them to be. They will learn your actions. They will become like you. How many of you older dads, when you are correcting your children, you hear your dad speaking through your mouth? <laughs> Happens all the time. And you do things, as you do them, you realize that it's exactly what happened to you, how you were taught. And that's either good or bad. Our job as dads is to make sure that it's good, that we raise our kids correctly. Now, verse 5 says, No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham. Now, there's two things with this name change. The first one is Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many. And I looked this up. Abram is a title. Abraham is a description. As a dad, do you have the title or do you have the description? Are you a dad in name only or do you do the things that dads do? There's a saying that says anyone can be a father but not everyone can be a dad. You know, a lot of the stuff we see in the world today, if you look at statistics that are out there, not emotions, not feelings, the biggest contributor to bad performance and crime is absentee fathers. That's a given. Now, there's a lot of people that will try to make feelings and emotions part of it, but statistically, that's true. And right now, there's so many children growing up without dads, they have the title of dad, but not the description of dad. Now, when you become a dad, you no longer have a real name. You are now someone's dad. You are Amanda's dad, Taylor's dad, Lauren's dad, Madison's dad. And for the longest time, I don't think people actually knew my name because I was Amanda's dad or Lauren's dad or Taylor's dad. Another thing about changing your name, when your cha name changes to dad from Jeff, it ceases to be about you. The person of Jeff comes in second to the person of dad. What we want, what I want as a person wants and needs, they take a back seat to now your description of being a father. When a dad becomes a dad, it, it comes with, with responsibilities and one of those is to put what you desire, what you want behind what is better for your children. 
Verse 9 goes on and says, Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant. So Abraham finds out he's going to be a dad, and what's the first thing God tells him? Keep my covenant. Now, we're not under Old Testament law, but the principle still applies. God calls us as parents to walk with him, to live our lives for him. When we do that, our goal is to have our children become like us. In other words, here's what God doesn't want. To be two different people. To be a different person in church on Sunday than you are Monday through Saturday. Kids pick up on that right away. They call it hypocrisy. They need to see us not only saying it, but living it. And to do that, we need to know what God's Word says. If you are a good dad, you want to put God first. God has to be first. If he's not first, your kids are going to understand that. That he's not first in your life, therefore he's not going to be first in their lives. And when we put God first, it doesn't mean you don't love your kids. It means you want the best for them. And we want them to see God in us. So hopefully when they are older, they will want to have the same God that we have. Deuteronomy 6, 6 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. A good dad puts kids first. Back in Genesis 17, 10, it says, This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you should be circumcised. Again, not under the Old Testament law, but the analogy is right. If you want to be a good dad, you need to cut out the unnecessary things in your life that distract you from your children. Things that take your time and resources away from your kids now need to be cut away. We're no longer lone rangers. We can't go out with our buddies all the time. You can't spend your paycheck on things that you want to all the time. You can't do everything you want when you want, like you want, like you were single or childless. You're cutting away the unnecessary things in your life. The second analogy is circumcision is painful, I'm told. I don't remember. Sometimes being a dad can be painful. You make decisions or choices that your children don't like, and what happens? When they're teenagers, they don't like you. And they may even say they hate you. And that's painful. No one likes to hear that. But you know you're doing it for the right reasons. When your kids get physically hurt, you want to take that pain yourself. In fact, the pain you're experiencing is worse than the pain, the physical pain, if you had it yourself. I wish I could sit in my daughter's bed with my mouth wired shut and help her avoid that pain. Watching their pain is more, poor, more painful than if we actually had the hurt. When they make choices that you know are wrong, it's painful. The things that they do you know are going to harm them, bring them pain, it causes you pain. Being a parent, as many have said, is not a walk on the beach. It's not easy. Not for the faint of heart, as I've heard before. But in spite of all of those things, you wouldn't trade it for the world. 
Verse 18 goes on, And Abraham said to God, If Ishmael might live under your blessing. Now we know that Ishmael was not the promised child. He's not part of the covenant. But Abraham still cared about him and cared about what was going to happen to him. How many of your kids, my kids and my grandkids now ask me, who's your favorite? How many get that question? Who do you like more? Me or my sister? What's your answer? Love you all the same, right? You love them the same, but you may treat them differently, right? Abraham loved Isaac and Ishmael the same, despite the different destinies that they would have. And he treated them a little differently, not because he loved one more than the other, but he knew what their destinies were going to be. He knew what was going to happen to them and treated them differently. We love our kids the same, but sometimes their personalities and their idiosyncrasies cause us to treat them differently. You have a compliant child who just does does everything you ask them to do. And you treat that child differently than the one who is openly defiant all the time. How many have one of each of those? It's not because you love one more than another. You love them the same, but you have to treat them differently. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. How many have used that, train up a child in the way that I think he should go? That would be awesome if that were true. Train up a child in the way I think he should go. But that's not what it means. It means identify their personality, their, their gifts, their talents, their idiosyncrasies, and you mold them in that direction. If you have a child who is excellent with his hands, can build anything and repair stuff, and he doesn't get straight A's in school, you're probably not going to encourage that child to be a brain surgeon. On the other hand, if you have a child that gets straight A's but can't change a tire to save his life, he's not going to be a mechanic. You find out what their idiosyncrasies are, what their talents and their gifts are, and you mold them in that direction. You help them in that direction. And that's exactly what Abraham was doing. He knew both kids were going to have different destinies, but he loved them the same. Verse 18 says, And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. What do we want as parents, as dads? We want more than anything for your child to know Christ, right? We want them to know Jesus. Of everything that happens to them in this world, we want them to know Christ. From the moment they're born until the day we're gone, you want them to know the blessings of serving Christ. From the outside looking in, I can relate this before I got saved, I would look at it and think it was a burden to be a Christian. It was hard, it was difficult, who'd want to do that? But now that you're on the other side and you realize what a blessing it is, what a, what a privilege it is to be a Christian and all the blessings that God pours upon you, you want nothing more than to have that for your kid. You want them to know Christ. You don't want them to experience the things that you do. And as, hopefully as a second generation Christian, they don't go through all the mistakes and troubles that you went through before you knew Christ. So you want them to know Jesus as soon as possible and you want them to grow up with the blessings of God not having made the mistakes that we made. You want them to live under God's blessing. If your kids are little, enjoy that time. Keep praying for them. Just keep pouring into them because there's going to come a time when they're not going to listen to you. 
Dobson has this analogy. James Dobson has this analogy. He says the teenage years are like the dark side of the moon. Remember when the Apollo missions were going up in the late 60s, early 70s? There'd be a time where the Apollo capsule would go around the back side of the moon and they lost all communication with Earth until they came around. And he says, teenage years, they're behind, they're on the dark side of the, on the, of the moon. You, you, there's no communication. He says, but eventually, when they're like 21, 22, they come around the backside and they start listening to you at that point. And it's amazing how instantly smart you become when they turn 22 or 23. Don't stop praying for them. As they get older, don't stop praying for them. As they're younger, don't stop praying for them. We never stop being dads. How many of you thought when your kids are 18, don't have to worry about them anymore, they're on their own? Yeah, it doesn't work that way. You never stop being a dad until you're gone. My dad lived to be 93, and he would still call me up, or I would call him up, and he would ask me things that, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you okay? Everything all right? Dad, I'm 50. I'm good. And I remember we would sit down, and he he's, was a World War II generation guy, so we was, you know, in the belt and all that kind of stuff. And just before he died, he, we would sit and talk, and he'd say, you know, was I a good dad? I'm like, yeah, Dad, you were a great dad. He said, I don't know. I don't know if I was a good dad. You know, up until the day he died, he was being a dad. And up until the day that we die, we're going to be dads. That's what we're going to do. That's who we are. Look at 20, Genesis 25, verse 8. It says, Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man full of years, and he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of, in the cave of Mechpelah. Abraham still had a relationship with his adult children. They could have went their own but they still made it a point to come back and bury him. They had a relationship with their, their dad. And I think that's what every dad wants. If you have younger kids, you're gonna want that relationship when they have their own kids. I've got grown kids now and I've got grandkids now and I love that relationship we have. You never stop being a dad, you never stop wanting to give advice, usually unwanted advice, but you still wanna give it, you're still a dad. And that's what dads want. We want to have a relationship until the day we're gone. I'm going to close with this one verse. Ecclesiastes 7.1. It says, A good reputation is more valuable than the most expensive perfume. In the same way, the day you die is better than the day you were born. Now, it doesn't mean that dying is better than being born. It means when you die whatever reputation you had at that moment is what's going to live on. When you were born, you had no reputation. You had no idea what you'd become. But when you die, you have now a reputation. And so we want our reputation to be one, as the Bible says, a good reputation. As we live and do our dad stuff, we begin to gather a reputation that follows you. My dad's dad left the family when my dad was two. My dad never saw him again until my dad, my great-grandfather, or my grandfather was 50, I think. 
So he had no relationship with the family. That's his reputation. And you want to know how you can break the generational curse? You can do it. My dad did it. He knew what it was like to not be a good dad. And he made a choice to be a good dad. You can do it. And he did it. We want a reputation that when we're gone, that people look back on and say, you know what, he was a good dad. What's your reputation going to be with your kids when that day comes? I did, a, I did a funeral for a lady back home, part of our church. She was cantankerous. And when I did the funeral, she had children. When I did the funeral, one person came. And that was the daughter-in-law, her daughter-in-law. Her son had passed away. She came, and I talked to her after the service. She was the only one in the service because she had such a bad reputation with her family and her friends. She was so negative all the time. They didn't want to, no one wanted to come. And she said the only reason that she came, because she didn't get along with her, as no one did, she says the only reason I came was because to honor my husband son and I look back on that that's the reputation she left what kind of reputation dad are we going to leave when we're gone is there going to be a sweet fragrance as the Bible says or is there going to be one that no one comes no one cares dads if you have a good relationship with your kids keep it going because that's the only relationship that you're going to continue on with I look back at all my friends from high school through when we moved here. I keep in contact with a few of them, but we don't communicate. The only relationships that stick and last are these. Your kids, your wife. Those are the relationships you're going to have from the day you're married until the day you die. If you have a good relationship, keep it going. Don't sacrifice the relationship of your kids in order to do anything else. Because whatever you do is going to be gone at some point. If you don't have a good relationship with your kids, change it. You can change it. The only time you can't change it is when you're gone. And sometimes maybe that calls on us to make the first step. Maybe you think it's too late, too far gone. What do we say every Sunday? Nothing is too hard for God, right? If we're still living and breathing and our kids are still living and breathing and we don't have a relationship with them, you know what? We need to make the first step. It's not too late to change your reputation. When my dad actually saw his father when his dad was 50, they mended fences. And so it, it, he, he died not long after that. And if you ask my dad, it was okay. They kind of, you know, he got it, he understood. 
the reputation was never the same, but it wasn't negative. It's not too late to change your reputation. It's not too late to let people know who you are. So that when, as dads, as we grow up and our kids are grown and gone and maybe they live miles away, the relationship is what keeps you close despite the miles. And the best way to start is with a relationship to Christ. As a Christian, you automatically have a bond with other Christians. When I moved to Florida, when I first got there, my, most of my family lives in Florida now, but when I got there, I, the first thing I had to do was search out a church, and my family's not Christian, for those of you who don't know. The first thing I had to do was search out a church because I needed to get among other believers, and I had a, a, a relationship with people who were Christians by the fact that they were Christian. And we had a common bond, we had a common understanding. And I, you know, I still love my family, still gather with them, but you need that, that Christian influence. And the best way to start a, re, a relationship or a reputation is becoming to know Christ. That's what we have to do first. And from that, now you have an instant bond with thousands of people, and you have people praying for you. And at that point, you know what? God gives you the ability to repair or fix or whatever you need to do to your reputation. When I first got saved, oh, okay, I, I promise I'm going to close with this. <laughs> What's this mean? Nothing, right? When I first got saved, I, my grandfather had passed away. I went to a funeral. And I'm sitting in the funeral home, and my brother comes up to me, and he, and he looks at me, and he, he says, swear. And I, was, I had a bad mouth back then. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean? He goes, cuss, swear, say something. And I said, uh, I can't. And he jumped up and said, I knew it, I knew it. You went crazy, you went stupid, what are you doing? At that point, the reputation changed. And up to that point, I was 30, it was not a great rate, uh, relationship or not great uh, reputation. God was able to change that. If you don't like your, your reputation, God can change it. God can bring you around to where you need to be so that when you do leave, you will have a good reputation. Would you stand this morning? If you'd bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes. There's a couple of things I want to pray for this morning. The first one is, like I said at the beginning, the most important decision you're ever going to make is coming to know Christ as your Savior, as the one who forgave you of your sins to make you right with God. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't know really what we're talking about, I can tell you from personal experience, the best decision I ever made was kneeling at the altar and praying. If you don't know Christ and you really want to understand what we're talking about, you really want to have a good reputation, you want to have a relationship with your kids, but you don't even have a relationship with Christ. And you want to start right there. The Bible says we're all sinners. Every one of us sin. And the problem with that is the wages of sin is death. 
That means when we sin, it keeps us out of God's presence, it keeps us out of heaven, it keeps us away from everything that God promised us. But the Bible also says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And what that means is all of your sins can be wiped clean in an instant by simply coming to Jesus and asking him to forgive you of your sins and believing that he does. If that's you and you want to start that relationship, I want you to raise your hand right now. All right, I'm going to assume that we are all believers. And the second thing I wanted to pray for is for dads, obviously. If you have a great relationship with your kids, whether they're young or old, I'm going to pray that God continues that. And maybe for whatever reason, you don't have a great relationship with your kids. I believe God wants to restore that as well. The Bible says God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That means we can do that. It may not be easy. It may require us to eat a little crow or humble ourselves a little bit. But God wants us to do that. So I'm going to pray that God gives us the strength and God blesses that that thing so you can have that relationship again. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you. We thank you once again that you are our Father. And before we came to know you, Lord, we had no reputation. We had no relationship with you. But the Bible says you sought us out and you drew us in. You drew us back to be part of your family. And because of that, we now can celebrate that we know Christ. But you took that step. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray for the dads here this morning that, that right now have a, a great relationship with their kids. I pray that you would continue to bless that. Continue to just pour your spirit upon every family, every person, every dad, every child here this morning. Allow them to grow in their knowledge of you and then allow them to transfer that so that they can bless their kids and, and be the dad you've called them to be. And Lord, for that, we need you. All of us are imperfect dads. We don't do a lot of things right. But Father, I pray that your grace is poured upon each family to cover all those mistakes and things. And Lord, for those here who have maybe a strained relationship with their kids or maybe on in their kids' lives at all, I pray that, God, you would restore that. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just pour upon each, each person, each family member, that, Lord, you would not let the enemy win in this, but that you would get the victory, that you would reach out, that you would anoint these meetings, that you would just reconcile these families together in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, you have your way in every family this morning. Allow us, when we leave here today, to be energized with the understanding that our Father loves us and that with that love, we can also love our kids, whether they're young or they're grown. We would have your ability to love them and to be what you've called us to be. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. Thank you for your blessings. Now, Lord, I pray your blessings upon each one of us as we leave today. Let us go with full assurance of our salvation, full assurance that what we pray for today is going to happen. The prayer offered in faith make the sick person well because prayer is powerful and effective. 
So we believe what we pray for today, you will do. Because we know your reconciliation is your will. So Father, I commit each person to you. Pray your anointing. Fill them with your spirit. And send them out, Lord, to do great things in the name of Jesus. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great Father's Day. We hope you have a lot of good cookout food and just great relationship time.